Warning, the following episode of Orsini's Uncensored Mind contains explicit language and adult content. The thoughts and opinions stated on the show are reflective of A.J. Orsini and his guests exclusively. Seriously, guys, the show's called Uncensored. If you got a problem with bad language, I really don't give a shit. Everybody. Welcome to Orsini's Uncensored Mind. Of course, I am your host, AJ Orsini, usually joined by my brother from exactly, specifically the same exact mother, Deceived Dave. Uh, he is not here today. He got business, business to be taken care of. The man is going to be a papa. He's going to be a papa. Papa. Papa Dave. He's going to be a dad soon. He's got some shit going on. So I'm going to knock this bitch out. Uh, for this week's episode, he'll be back next week, obviously. Uh, and we'll we'll got something very very special planned for when you guys uh, come back next week when he's back on the program. I've been saving this. This is now week two of saving this topic matter. I don't want to ruin it for anybody, but it's very video game heavy. We mentioned it a while back. The project that we were talking about. Uh, of what we were going to talk about as far as video games, and, and, and we got a big thing for that, and that's been planned out, it's written down, we're ready, we just need him to be here. So after he gets done with his responsibilities at the home, uh, the home, what is it, uh, I'm the house of O, right? So what would he be, like the, let me see, the, uh, not the house of, no, Casa del, de, Casa del Deception, huh, something like that? We'll figure it out, something for the shirt. Uh, speaking of which, uh, pay some bills early in the beginning of the show here. I usually wait towards the end, but I will get it out early here because I feel like the subject matter of today's episode will get me a little riled up and a little rant heavy. So I'm going to go ahead and give it to you right here at the, at the beginning of the program. Uh, supporting the show is a very, very easy process. Obviously, you support the show by listening, by heading over to ajoum.podbean.com, listening to the most recent or any episode, really. If you go to that link, every episode from episode one down to this one is all still available for download. A lot of new people usually tend to do that. People will find out about the show, they'll hear a random episode or whatnot, and then they'll go to the website to listen to said episodes, and then they'll find out there's so many more amazing episodes that they didn't get a chance to hear so I'll have like a big boost on recent episodes and then out of nowhere it'll be like, oh, episode five. And I'm like, whoa, 
those were not good years. <laughs> the beginning stuff, I listen back to them sometimes and I go, ooh, beginning stuff, you know. But uh, yeah, so ajoum.podby.com. Uh, Actually, the one-stop shop for all things Orsini's Uncensored Mind, not just where you can hear the show, not just how you can support the show by uh, possibly checking out the merch site that we have, which is, of course, ajoum.com. But we have a link tree. That can take you to all the places that you want to go to, all the social media, all the different platforms in which you can listen to the show. There's a lot of them. I'm on pretty much everything. But it's Linktree. Okay, so if you're unfamiliar, it's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. They broke up the tree. So it's T-R dot E-E backslash A-J-O-U-M. That'll be your one-stop shop for all things Orsini's Uncensored Mind. Uh, actually, I have a huge announcement. I was going to save it for, I was going to tell Dave about it, I should say, when he got in here, but he wasn't able to make it today. But I'll go ahead and let you guys in on a little bit of a secret. A secret. It's been a while since we've had sponsors on the show, and the reason for that, for the most part, is me. Because I haven't really been going out there and shopping the show as hard as I should have. But definitely not as hard as I have, uh, I did when the show first began. I'm I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I'm coasting on what I've got, but at the same time, I'm very, very, I'm very, very happy with the support that I've gotten from you guys throughout the course of this podcast, and I, I, I do want to expand the audience just a little bit. So, we're little by little, the more I have freedom I gain in my real life, uh, I'll be able to uh, expand the show a little bit more. But I am happy to announce today that it's been a while since I've had a sponsor, but we've got one starting today. That's right, for the next few weeks. You're going to be hearing about the lovely people over at Luxury Smiles. Now, normally, uh, I would have a little paid commercial where I would put something together and let you guys know all about it, all the specifics, where you can catch these people. But I haven't had a chance to put that together yet because this all came about literally within the last 48 hours. So, I'm just going to quickly, just briefly let you guys know all about Luxury Smiles. It's called LuxurySmiles360.com. You can head over to that website, get all the information you want on inquiries and packages and all the different ways you can contact them. But what is Luxury Smiles 360? Well, that's easy to describe. Luxury Smiles 360 gives your event everlasting memories with our 360-degree photo booth. I've been in one of those. They're awesome. Uh, it includes custom 360 videos, does that booth. Allow your guests to have a VIP experience with the celebrities and award shows of the world. Just like they did at the Oscars. You guys remember the well, <laughs> of course you don't remember the Oscars other than the slap. But they used to do what was it? The Grammys did it too, right? Where like a celebrity would hit the red carpet, and then there'll be a button that they hit, and there's like this 360 motion thing that happens, and it kind of circles around them, and it gives like this all around. It's a photo, technically speaking, but it's like several snapshots in a circle. It's actually really, really impressive when you see it. That's why it says here, experience like the celebrities and award shows of the world. We plan your event. They are event planners here. We plan your event with an attention to detail like it's our very own. You see that? From the heart. We provide hosts for the party. It won't be me. <laughs> Although I'm not opposed to it. I do know the people who run this place, and I'm not opposed to it, but... We'll, we'll get into that later on down the road. We provide hosts for the party, custom overlays, and instant sharing of videos. How about that? In a social media-heavy world, they're going to help you out. Professional lighting, can't stress that enough. Professional lighting is included with all of our packages. Props come in all shapes and sizes, which add to the fun. Props, hello. 
We offer a wireless feature so we can virtually set up anywhere, no matter indoor or outdoor. Spinning has never been so much fun. Lights, camera, spin. How about that? Book today so you can have everlasting memories of your special day. If that wasn't clear enough, folks, that these people can help put an event together. You guys have an anniversary, a birthday, a christening. You guys need to take some foreskin off of a child. This is the people you need to call. Luxurysmiles360.com. Get that dick cut in the most professional fashion you possibly can. And in 360, who wouldn't want a 360 video? of their circumcision. Who wouldn't want that? I wish I would have had that opportunity. I think I was robbed of my dick skin long before I was even aware that I had a dick or skin or dick skin for that matter. Luxury Smiles 360 is all about giving you guys the best opportunity to have the best memory you can possibly get from your said event. And again, you can call them at the phone number 321-345-8399. I say again, 321-345-8399. That's Luxury Smiles 360. Check out the website. You can send them inquiries to get some price packaging. You can find out what the packages already are for some of the preset ones. You can check out their gallery to see how some of their events have gone so far. You can hit them up on the contact contact us. Contact us. We're live, baby. Contact us tab, and you can find out all the different ways in which you can find out more about Luxury Smiles 360. They're located in Braverd County, Florida. So that's going to give you an idea right there of what kind of area that they're in so you can figure out for yourself if you want to be a part of that. If you're in the Florida area, and I know a lot of you are, I check the stats from the people who listen to this show. A lot of you guys are in Florida. Check them out. And see what you guys can hook up. It's, you're not going to go wrong with that, all right? They're also on Instagram at LuxurySmiles360. How about that? So young and up-and-coming company. I can't wait to help them out along the way. We're going to be hearing about them for a while now. So uh, buckle up. It's going to get fun. And hopefully, fingers crossed, I'd love to get the people who uh, run this company to be on the show. Talk a little bit more about it and have them spin... Um, exactly what it is they plan on doing moving forward with events how about that that's going to be a whole lot of fun so now that we got all that stuff out the way you're probably wondering yourself oh what the fuck are we going to talk about today because you've been very vocal on the social media as per the huge that's me that's what i do i talk a lot of shit that's what i get paid to do uh in pretty much all facets of my life uh my shoot job my wrestling job my household uh, I'm pretty much known as a shit talker, so I've been talking a lot of shit on the interwebs, so people are kind of curious, oh man, where's he gonna go, what's he gonna say, what's he gonna do, and I know that people are gonna get wondering, is he gonna talk about it, is he gonna talk about it, yes he is, I'm gonna open with it as a matter of fact, cause it's, it's been bothering me for a minute, now I'm finally in front of a microphone, so let's talk about it, the Owen Hart Tournament taking place in All Elite Wrestling. I'm going to start from the beginning here before we even got to the tournament. I have been confused about this situation from moment one. Allow me to elaborate. The fact that Owen Hart is being brought up with AEW in any sense at all whatsoever has me confused, bum-fuzzled, has me feeling somewhat uh, out of the loop. I don't know what's happening here. Why is this happening at all? What 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 connection does AEW have with Owen Hart or the Hart family at all? Nothing. So we we take that out of it. 
right? Because you have to remove that's the default right there. Someone pays tribute to someone nine times out of ten, there's some sort of connection to that person you're paying tribute to. But that's not the case here. At best, Tony Khan was a fan of the Hart Foundation and a fan of the Hart family, as are we all, and wanted to pay tribute in some way. Martha Hart, Dr. Martha Hart, excuse me, late widow of the great Owen Hart, has stated on occasion that she has no problem with letting wrestling fans pay tribute to her fallen husband. She just had an issue with WWE doing it, which... We've spoken about this on the show when they did the dark when they did the dark side of the ring. I completely understand that. I think it was Oge, his son, who said, I, "I I don't want WWE to celebrate my father because they're the ones who fucking murdered him." And I completely get it. I completely agree. And I and, I, and I, that's why when they say, "Well, Owen Hart should be in the Hall of Fame," fuck the Hall of Fame. What do you mean, fuck? What do you mean he should be in the Hall of Fame? Yes, by Hall of Fame standards, should Owen Hart be in one? Sure, why not? Don't see why not. Don't see why that would be an issue. But a WWE Hall of Fame? that The WWE Hall of Fame does more for the WWE than it does, to be honest with you, for the people that are in it. And with him not here, what would exactly be the point? What is Owen going into the Hall of Fame does do, I should say, for the Hart family, or his immediate family, I should say, because I don't think Dr. Martha Hart has any relationship left with the Hart family. And uh, what does that exactly do for them? That would be nothing. There's no income coming in. There's no. There's nothing. It would be a recognition of his career for like a day, and then it would never be mentioned again. Because those who are in the Hall of Fame utilize the Hall of Fame title for business purposes or for advertising purposes, meaning whenever they do special guest spots on the WWE shows, Raw, SmackDown, whatever... It's former WWE, you know, not former, excuse me. It's WWE Hall of Famer blank, blank, blank. That would be, that's the that's the prestige to it. That's as far as it goes. You know, WWE Hall of Famer Edge or WWE Hall of Famer Shawn Michaels. Same thing with Hall of Famers who aren't in the WWE, who are independents or running their own companies or whatever. That's how those people are introduced. Oh, WWE Hall of Famer Coco Beware is on the card. Da, 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 da. Without Owen Hart being here with us, alive, today, to indulge in any of that, what would be the purpose? Where is the goodness in that, being in the Hall of Fame? Nothing. Nothing happens. There's no physical Hall of Fame. So it's not like his gear or his boots or his memories would be there forever until the end of time for wrestling fans to appreciate and enjoy and for generations. That shit doesn't exist. And it's not even and it's not even like they can't do it. Because it's been discussed, it just they don't feel it's a financial investment worth taking, says the people who currently own NXT 2.0. But they can make a physical Hall of Fame. They don't want to make a physical Hall of Fame because, to be honest with you, that's not what the Hall of Fame for them is about. The Hall of Fame is a is a way to spend, excuse me, to get more money by selling tickets to an event where they pay homage to these legends. And the basis of a Hall of Fame is exactly that, to pay homage and pay tribute to the careers of individuals who either transcended, pioneered, or created new opportunities for those that came after them. These are the best of the best, the greats of the greats. The philosophy of a Hall of Fame makes complete sense to me. The way that they utilize a Hall of Fame in the WWE is what disgusts me. And I and I feel bad because there's a lot of people who are in the WWE Hall of Fame who think the world of the WWE Hall of Fame. And I would never want to take that feeling away from them. But the general response to people 
outside of that bubble. Is that Hall of Fame means almost literally fucking nothing. And it's a shame. Because a lot of people, there's a lot of people who you look at and you say, genuine Hall of Famer, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan. Then there's some who are kind of like in the middle there. And you're like, mm. like they just put in Charmel recently. And you're like, I don't know. Meh. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of all of that. Tori Wilson got in. That was the first one. People were like, okay, sure. It starts to get, you know, there's there's things that start to be debated. And for those of you out there who are like, well, who are you to debate the merits of someone being in the Hall of Fame? Hall of Fames have been around longer than the WWE Hall of Fame. Baseball Hall of Fame, Football Hall of Fame, Music Hall of Fame, the Entertainers has been Hall of Fames for years. And for everybody that gets in, there has always been debates about whether or not the merits of someone being in a Hall of Fame is worthy or not. These debates have always taken place. There's nothing disrespectful about asking the question about whether or not someone has actually accomplished enough to be recognized as one of the greatest who have ever done it. It's not a disrespect. If anything, I think it's disrespectful to go the other way and say that no one has the right to question the decision of a Hall of Fame decision in spite of the fact that that person has not done enough to make it unequivocally the right answer. I think it's dope to have your career debated by fans. And this person says that, of course he's a Hall of Famer because he did this. Oh, he, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer because he didn't really accomplish this. I find it more entertaining and I find it more indulging about my career if people were to debate it than to simply just go, yep, Hall of Famer or nope, no Hall of Fame. I think we're all in agreement. Because, man, how crushed would you be if you worked your ass off for 10 or 15 years for people to be like, nah, not even close to being a Hall of Famer, sorry. So I think the debate is actually healthier than the actual outright decision. But I digress. Back to Owen Hart for just a second. So All Elite Wrestling is paying tribute, paying homage, if you will, to the legacy and career of Owen Hart. There's no actual connection there. But on the surface of things, you would think to yourself, okay, I get it, right? They're bringing in the family. They're doing it right. So then they took it further than just, hey, we admire Owen Hart's career and what he did. Here's, I don't know, a plaque. Here's a memory. Here's a segment that we'll dedicate to. No, they're going to do a full-on fucking tournament for a trophy. And none of these individuals have any connection to Owen in any way, except for the fact, I think, I, well, I can't say that I think, I, I think I, I know for a fact, Sting is definitely old enough to have known Owen Hart. I'm sure they've crossed paths. I'm not entirely sure if they've wrestled each other. Uh, I'll take a quick look. I don't think so, but I know Sting definitely old enough to have uh, gotten into, to to have crossed paths with each other. Owen, yeah, Owen's been in the ring with Brett. I don't think they ever crossed paths with Owen. Uh, Jeff Hardy, who was in this tournament, I also believe is old, is old enough to have been in the ring with Owen Hart. I'm not entirely sure. It had to have been like during Jeff and Matt's like early days. Yeah, we do have a match here: Owen Hart versus Jeff Hardy, Raw. December 11th, 1995. So, I mean, 
Jeff's been around for a fucking Jeff. Jeff is everyone's grandpa at this point, right? That's why he's so nice to everybody. You know, he's everyone's his favorite uncle at this point. And uh, so there's really very few people. I'm pulling up the bracket now, and I'm just like, there's no one in here with any kind of connection. It's just a tip of the cap situation, so that's fine. Yeah, here's the actual eight-man bracket. So it's Ray Phoenix, Kyle O'Reilly, Samoa Joe, uh, who's facing a Joker, which people are, you know, speculating might be Gargano. It could be anybody. For some reason, AEW has a problem with saying mystery. They're going to go Joker for some reason. Jeff Hardy, Darby Allen, Adam Cole, Dax Harwood. That's your eight-person or eight-man bracket, I should say, uh, for the Owen Hart tournament. And I'm going to be honest with you. There's no one in here with any connection. There's no tie-in at all whatsoever. It's uh, the, the, the trophy itself, I guess, will be the connection moving forward. You know, it's like a tribute thing. It's like the, what was it, the Shane, man, is it Shamrock Cup? It's MCU, it's the MCU Shane Shamrock Cup. I'm looking at, I might be getting the name. Yeah, Shane Shamrock Cup. Boom, there it is. Okay, there it is. Uh, That's another thing, right? So the people who are competing for that cup today has no fucking connection to Shane Shamrock at all whatsoever. He died in 1998. They've been paying tribute to him through a tournament ever since. So because at because I remember I started by saying this at first glance I was like there's no real connection. What the fuck is the point? But as I've thought about it and that's why I'm bringing this up as an example. It's been happening. It's happened before. The Briscoes just won the Crockett Cup. They have no fucking connection to fucking the Crockett promotions or Jim Crockett at all whatsoever. So I started feeling a little a little less and less weary about it. I got outside of my own head about it. Started stopped putting so much pressure on the connection and just said, you know what, we're gonna get an eight man tournament out of it and we'll see what kind of matches we go. And then I saw the brackets and you got matches like Cole and Dax and Dax and Hardy and Darby, which I just realized now rhyme. You know, I'm not too big on Ray and Kyle, but you know, that's a conflict of fucking styles, but we'll figure it out. Joe and the Joker and I love the fact that Joe got the Joker because it doesn't matter who it is. It's a Joe match, and I'm invested. Let's make it happen, right? So I started watching this tournament. Um, not closely, obviously. I, I don't have time to sit here and watch shows live anymore. But the big controversy here, Jeff Hardy and Darby Allen. So for whatever reason, I didn't see the beginning of it. For whatever reason, this specific match was made for Hardy and Darby to be a fucking notice qualification match. Anything goes, it's whatever. Which, I haven't had a chance to really talk about it on this show. But if the WWE was dragging Jeff Hardy, AEW seems dead set on killing him. What is with all the hardcore stipulations for Jeff Hardy and the Hardy Boys? Why am I seeing TLC matches and table matches and notice qualification this and notice qualification that? What the fuck are we doing? Why are they so dead set on killing our one of our favorite tag teams of all time? Now, Jeff Hardy and Darby. Darby wants to die. He's made that quite clear. He throws himself around like he doesn't. It doesn't bother him at all. He has no fear of death, and I'll give him that credit. There's always been comparisons between Darby and Jeff. So when this match took place, there was talk 
of things like passing the torch, which I, I've been asking the question about that. Passing the torch, what torch? The torch of person who wants to kill himself to be successful torch? Jeff Hardy has been a world champion multiple times over and has main-evented some of the biggest shows in the world. There's no doubt about that. But he's not exactly going to go down as one of the best top guys ever. And this is coming from one of the oldest Hardy Boy fans. I've been a Hardy Boy fan since 95 and 96. And I'm telling you, he ain't going down as one of the fucking greatest main event stars of all fucking time. That's not what his legacy is going to be. His legacy is going to be that of his charisma, of his ability to connect with the audience. He's, he's one of the personifications of rock star uh, appeal in pro wrestling. You know, a lot like the Rock and Roll Express had, a lot like he's he's one of the most successful organically over talents in the history of pro wrestling. That the fans, there it wasn't really anything specific to him other than his style and his pizzazz and the way that he carried himself. And people just loved him for it. In spite of the fact of how hard Jeff Hardy tried to remove himself from this earth with his drug habits and his irresponsibility early in his life. He has been dead set on ruining himself for years. And the fans just have continuously supported him throughout his entire career. And so if you're telling me, oh, he's going to pass the torch to Darby, if that's the legacy he's passing over, I'm all set. Darby is uh, straight edge. He said that on multiple occasions. Punk has referenced it as well. That they're straight edge. He's not a big alcohol guy, not a big drug guy. Told the story. Darby was in a car with his uncle when he was a child. It was a car accident. His uncle died. He didn't. It was something that has spurred him away from alcohol and drugs his entire life. I hate that it was a traumatic experience, but at least something positive from that end came from it, where he made a pretty, a pretty sharp life decision early on to not put himself in that position. So, perfect. Uh, for Darby and Jeff. And to be honest with you, when I heard this was a matchup, I knew this was going to be crazy. I didn't think they'd go all the way and make it no DQ because of all the no DQ shit Jeff's already done since he's been there. He hasn't been there, what, two months? And he's already been tossed around and jumped off of shit and everything. This guy has been trying to relive 2000, 2001, and it's not possible. So the match takes place, and of course, everyone's dragging the spot, right? So to set it up for you guys, outside of the ring on the floor, leading up to the entrance ramp, or the walkway, I should say, they have an assortment of chairs, two rows of four, I believe, where the butt of the chair, or the front chair, the front part of the chair where you would rest your behind on, they're touching each other. It's like, two, it's like four rows of two chairs almost like they're kissing right so they're very close to each other no give and jeff is kind of getting to his feet in the front of those rows and darby is setting up an extremely high ladder inside the ring which adds more feet of distance darby climbs the ladder does the big jeff hardy pose and does basically a forward kind of drop or it's like a swanton where he leads with his back jeff uh, does his best, I guess, from that angle to catch him. They both take bumps on said chairs that were in the walkway. Big crash, big burn, big bump. Uh, 
And for some reason, that's a controversial thing, which confused me. And people were saying, oh, how dare they, you know, what was the exact quote I heard from somebody? Where they were like, uh, what a way to pay tribute to Owen Hart by falling off of a high place and injuring yourself. And to be honest with you, the com- the comparison of Darby Allen taking a ladder bump from the top of ladder to the floor being compared to Owen Hart falling from a high place, which was the exact verbiage that I've been seeing, and injuring himself on the top turnbuckle and dying from said injuries. To make that comparison has to be the most disrespectful bullshit I've heard from fans in a very long time. Because it's not close to the same shit. If this wasn't a Owen Hart tournament and he takes that bump, no one even talks about it. Because it's just another fucking ladder bump. If you want to be... If you want to be upset about something, let's be upset about the fact that Darby Allen is almost literally allowed to kill himself anytime he fucking wants. I don't get the sense that there's ever been a time where Darby has pitched something and someone has told him no. I don't get that sense at all from anyone. And if there is, if there is someone telling him no, if there are ideas that they're nixing, I would love to hear them because the Spots that they are allowing are ridiculous. Ridiculous. That is, he's not nearly big enough. I think that's my problem with the bumps that Darby takes. He is a small man. Small. And this is coming from someone who's not exactly tall himself. But I got some weight. I got some heft to me. He's got no body weight. He's got no size whatsoever. And he's fallen from fucking far. And one of these days, and he can go to the locker room and he can talk to any veteran he wants. I know the AEW roster likes to ignore their veterans, but if they ever took the time, especially guys like Jeff, who knows better than Jeff how short a lifespan you can have based on injuries. Those drug habits didn't come because pills were fun. They came because they were helping him through a lot of painful times because he was killing himself, absolutely murdering himself on a weekly basis. Jeff knows, not just from TLC matches or table matches or cage matches, but even in his regular matches, the way that he bumped, Jeff Hardy is one of the most vicious bumpers ever. He sold everything by just fucking throwing himself throwing himself those were the best ways for him to get over so he's damaged himself a lot throughout the years so this whole ideology that oh what a way to pay tribute to owen by falling from a high place is retarded it's dumb it makes no sense it's a ladder bump these ladder bumps if you want to make if you really want to get pissed how about no more ladder bumps in general can we get a can we get off of the ladder? How many this wasn't even a ladder match and they used the ladder. How many more of these are we gonna do? How many more of these stipulated matches are we gonna do before they mean absolutely fucking nothing? How many more times are people and I know people are probably volunteering to take these bumps? You know, they're they're the ones probably telling people, hey, you know, I think this would be a really cool spot to do but at some point somebody's gotta he's got someone's gotta say no to some of these 
Is that the only way that you guys can entertain? Is to just murder yourselves and murder your body? You can't do it in the ring anymore? You can't do it on the mic anymore? In the late 90s, when all this garbage shit started, it was great. It was fantastic, because for years you never really saw shit like this. Not as often as we were seeing it. We we were seeing it often. Very often. TLC matches on fucking Raw. Cage matches. We had a, the, the Hell in a Cell on fucking Raw. It was all kinds of different shit happening. But eventually you, eventually you have to stop. At some point. At some point. It has to stop. And now we have a whole generation of people who don't even know what wrestling's like without it. That's the part that kills me. They think this is normal. This is the everyday. That this is pro wrestling. That's the part that kills me about it. It's nice to have ladder matches and cage matches and all this stuff. It's fun for the most part. When when it's 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 painful, but for a performer, it's kind of fun because you get those crazy reactions from people when you take those bumps. But if you're taking those bumps all the time, people stop reacting. A cage match doesn't draw shit anymore, anywhere. Not even with the WWE. If you promote, oh, Seth Rollins is going to be in a cage with Cody tomorrow at Uniondale, no one's going. Because it's just another fucking cage match. I just saw one, like, the other day. Ladder match. How many ladder matches? How many Sammy Guevara ladder matches have we had in AEW? How many times have we had... 10-man tag, 6-man tag. I think they're setting up a tr- another triple threat tag team title match for fucking double or nothing. They just burn through shit with no care for the matter. All the people will love this. Yes, if it was built up and they were made to want to fucking see it. Owen Hart's death happened from a freak accident that, to be honest with you, shouldn't have happened because they shouldn't have had him in that position. It's one of the most disturbing and one of the most disgusting moments in wrestling history. And if you're going to compare it to a ladder bump that happens on an almost daily basis in 2022, I only, not only find it disgusting and, and, and disrespectful, but I find it belittling. Don't belittle Owen Hart's death just because you feel the need. Don't compare a once-in-a-lifetime screw-up that cost a man his life and compare that to the decision that someone has made to hurt himself for your entertainment. It's not the same fucking thing. Owen Hart didn't want to be up there. Owen Hart never wanted to be in the gimmick in the first place. As a matter of fact, I can make a stronger argument, and I want to thank Xander Litt for bringing the attention to me because I didn't catch it right away. But smart, smart Mark Sterling the manager of Jade Cargill, who is now managing Tony Nese. He came out on this episode of Dynamite wearing an actual blue blazer. And I know in his head, that's probably him paying homage and paying tribute to Owen Hart in his own little way, but I got news for you. I find that more disrespectful than the fucking dive. Because at least I know for a fact Owen Hart didn't like the blue blazer gimmick. Hated it. For those of you who don't remember, in Owen Hart's later days, Owen Hart was in a tag team with Jeff Jarrett. Canadian Country, I believe it was called. 
and they had Deborah as a valet, and they were doing the puppies deal, which Owen was not a fan of because he's a, you know, he's a heart, good old fashioned Canadian family values and whatnot. And they pitched an idea to him to do a love triangle. That Owen Hart and Jeff Jarrett were going to start kind of beefing with each other over Deborah. And Owen didn't want to do it because he's got kids and a fucking family. And he doesn't want that visual of him on fucking TV. So he said no. So they said good, cool, fuck you then. You're going to be the Blue Blazer. And for no, and because he had no other option and no other recourse, he already said no to a major storyline. He put the fucking thing on, but he didn't want to be the fucking blue blazer. He didn't want to compete in that fucking gimmick. Even with the bullshit storyline they gave him, where they had, you know, Jarrett come out a few times and pretend that he was the blazer and and yada yada yada. He hated that fucking gimmick, and for that, and it just goes to show you how little about Owen Hart people actually know. For them to put that blazer on, so that's my thing about. I actually feel that the blazer was more disrespectful than the fucking dive. The dive was nothing. Don't belittle the death of a superstar just because you feel the need to be an SJW on fucking Twitter. No one gives a fuck if you were offended by the latter dive. Martha wasn't. Martha's the one who's fucking putting all this together with Tony. Martha didn't give a fuck. Thought it was dope, actually. Go check it out. Read the fucking comments online. Your comment means a whole lot less than the comment of Martha Hart. That dive was just a fucking dive. Be mad that the dive happened at all. For Jeff to be catching a guy from that height, from Darby jumping from that height onto a set of fucking chairs to a to the floor. Be mad about the spot. Don't be mad about the comparison. Oh, what an image to send out, you know, celebrating Owen's... Di- no, it's not. Shut up. You sound stupid when you say things like that. No one takes you seriously. Even if your comment goes viral, it's the last time because now the whole world sees you as a fucking idiot. So that's my thoughts on the Owen Hart tournament so far. (laughs) And how stupid people can really be about comparing a ladder bump that we see every day to the fucking death of one of the greatest wrestlers to have ever laced up a pair of boots who died in the worst fucking possible way that a wrestler could fucking die in an embarrassing form. He died in the blue bla- He died in the blue blazer outfit, and Mark Sterling comes out to the ring in a blue blazer. Who's not paying tribute to what? That's what I'll ask. But we're moving on now to another topic because there's a there's some big news in the wrestling world that I've yet to talk about, and I wanted to shed some light. So. Who here likes Scooby-Doo movies? (laughs) Scooby-Doo movies. I I feel so bad. There's so many other movies this guy has done, I'm sure. But I think these are the most famous ones that he's known for. I remember him from Boys and Girls. That's one of my favorite movies that he was in. Of course, I'm talking about my main man, Freddie Prinze. Uh, Freddie Prinze Jr. Although he doesn't want to be referred to as the Jr. Which I will respect. Because I do like my Jr., and I like adding my junior to things. That's why I'm AJ. 
And when I sign documentation in real life, I use my junior. So I will respect when someone says that they don't want uh, their junior used. I get it. So I will not. So it's Freddie Prinze. Or what was it he wanted to be known on the internet? Freddie K? I don't know what that means. Like 1,000 or something? I don't know. But Freddie uh, not only is an astute fan of the wrestling game, not only does he have a uh, a film career that he once held, and he's just an all-around nerd, right? I mean, I've heard this dude do rants on Star Wars, and you know, he's used his uh, fame and fortune. He's been in the same room with guys like, uh, you know, with the uh, George and, and putting Star Wars together. This guy who was the one who went viral for the the big uh, lightsaber rant about Star Wars, or like the the, the 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 Sith and the Jedi deal and all that stuff. This guy tends to know his shit pretty good. You know, he's not just a nerd nerd. He's like expert level nerd when it comes to shit but he's also a huge wrestling fan to the point where he actually subsided his film career for a while to be a writer for the wwe as a matter of fact it was freddie prince who put the world title on jeff hardy that was his pitch that was his idea if not for freddie prince jeff hardy would never have been world's heavyweight champion you know on account of the suicidal bumps and the crazy drug habit so freddie prince was the one who took the chance and uh, and it worked out well and he's, I'm sure he's had his hand in other things. He was a writer for a long time. Uh, he's obviously no longer a writer and hasn't been a writer for WWE in a while. But he's back in the news when it comes to wrestling because he recently spoke out about wanting to start his own wrestling promotion. Okay? Uh, no name yet to the promotion. But here are some of the guidelines. Here are some of the hit points that he put out there that he wants people to know about his big grandiose plan for starting a wrestling promotion obviously um gotta have a plan so his plan so far is that he wants to he wants to start his company he wants to be up and running in 18 months that is solid i like that he's planning he's gonna take his time out to plan for the future he's not in a rush he wants a two-hour television show freddie that might be a mistake two hours is a lot of time to fill you're gonna need more talent you might want to save your money and, and not push the issue so far into a two-hour event, but I, not my place to say it's all on you. He wants to do two hours. I, I, I'm just happy it's not three, I guess. I think one hour would be different. I think one hour would be better for him. In and out, wham, bam, thank you, man. Get your characters in there. Tell some stories. Uh, but he wants a two-hour show. That's fine. He has the money for a three-year plan. That is solid. I like that because he's he's going to take his time. He's thinking three things through. He wants to start in 18 months. That's a year and a half. Three-year plan. That's four and a half years. He's got a five-year plan, basically, of how he wants this to run, and that's pretty fucking dope. For a guy with some money, he's not a billionaire. He's not Tony Khan, but at the same time, he's got a plan, and he's got some money behind it, so that's pretty cool. Storylines based in reality. That has me worried because whose reality are we talking about? He's, remember, he's the son of a famous actor. He himself has become a famous actor. He's lived in Hollywood a long time. That reality word, I don't know. We'll see how that pans itself out. He wants to give men and women given, men and women given equal time. Again, not sure where I fall on that. I'm always the kind of person I like to give more time to the people with more merit, who are offering more to the company. Does that mean 
more time for men than women? Maybe. Does it mean more more time for women than men? Also maybe. All depends on what the people want to see and, and what the merit is. I, I, I always I lean on the side of the people who are going to get more TV time are the people who are going to get more people to watch them on my television show. That's still kind of the way that I do things. So we'll see how that goes as far as I, I would love to see how he sticks to that over time. He has a five-year plan pretty much. So, I mean, where is he going to get his talent from who I don't know. There's a lot to figure out there. The equal time. That's the only one in all of this where I'm kind of sketchy about because I think that's that's a PR statement, not a logistic one. Because he doesn't know if he can give them equal time yet. He doesn't know what he what he's dealing with yet. He's a writer, and I guess for this company, he's going to be a booker. So he he's going to have to see what kind of pieces he's playing with before he can honestly say he's going to give them equal time because if he can't find the women for it or if he can't find the men for it I, who knows uh wants to own the space it's filmed in that is brilliant uh that not, not only is that good for for television indie promotions i think should really start jumping on this i think you need to really start investing more in the space that you're holding your shows in Instead of renting venues. Because renting venues can get really expensive and they're not really reliable. If you own your own space, not only do you not have to worry about where your shows are going to be taking place and how you're going to get people in there or whatever the case, you can run as many shows as you want. I've been teasing and I've been playing with the idea for a while now that I would love to see a promotion and maybe I'll do it myself. I don't know. I'm getting older, but we'll see. I would love to see weekly wrestling come back. And and I've been saying this for a while because I think that's one of the biggest reasons that a lot of indie companies can't get any fucking momentum. Because the attention span of people today with the streaming services and the cell phones and everything going on, everything is instant, 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 instant. If you only run a show once every two months or three months, everything you, all the momentum you grabbed in that fucking show is fucking gone. You're starting over. Every time you do a show, you're starting over. So it never made sense to me to be that far apart. But at the same time, I understand why, because they need to put the money together for that next show. That's why someone like this, who's doing a two-hour show, and he wants uh, he wants to do television for this. He wants to do a two-hour show on television. Now, he states here, no TV contract just yet. That's on the list of things here. But do you see what I'm saying? That means not yet. That means he's looking for that. He wants to do something weekly. That's why he wants to own the space. That's perfect. Just like when TNA was in the uh, in the impact zone. Just like uh, Daly's place for AEW when they were running during the pandemic. You know, uh, the Performance Center when WWE was running during the pandemic. You need a facility for just in case, but also you need a facility that will give the fans some sense of routine. That is the only way you're going to be able to sustain wrestling fans today. you got to give them a, a routine. This building, every week, every Friday or Saturday or Sunday afternoon, 7 p.m. or Sunday afternoon when you're doing like a 4 p.m. or a 3 p.m. show, every fucking week, we're going to introduce you to new characters, we're going to forward our storylines together, give you an opportunity to uh, voice your opinion as to who you want to see or have us keep moving forward, you know, 
you start to create a community. You bring your fans into what you're trying to do, and it's no longer a promoter fan. It's a community of people who are trying to be entertained and are dedicated and loyal to be entertained by you. And that's what I think is important. You have to, back in the day, it was important to establish relationships with the local towns. That's gone away now with the internet and everything because now you can achieve a global audience, but it's very hard to do that. Just because you have an easier task of building a larger audience doesn't mean you should stop focusing on the audience that can sustain you during your period of growth. If you just shoot for the global audience and you don't reach that audience in time, you will bankrupt. You have to start very small. Your neighborhood to your county to your city to your state to your section of the country to your country to the world. Those are your steps. If you don't do it in those steps, you're going to have a fucking problem. You know, if you shoot right for the stars or worse, you have no plan as to where your audience should be by a certain time, then you're stuck. Then you're stuck. So I like the idea of him getting his own space, filming it, having a dependable spot. All that really checks out and really works out pretty good. Uh, the last point here he wants to do, he wants it to be a SAG show. Now that is going to be hard. <laughs> That's going to be hard. For those of you who don't know, uh, SAG is, uh, that's that's a, the Actors Union. Forgot what the, what the S stands for in SAG. Here, I'm looking it up here. The Screen Actors, Screen, there it is. Screen Actors Guild, American Federation of Television and Radio Artists as an American Labor Union represents approximately 160,000 film and television actors, journalists, and radio personalities. Here's the deal with this. <sighs> this is going to be the really, really difficult thing for him to pull off for multiple reasons. A, there's a their union is built, it's, it's designed to protect the talent from outside forces, we'll say, right? And, you know, that's that's the same thing with contract negotiations. That's the same thing with legal liability, all kinds of stuff. Wrestling, while on television, has always been a different business behind the scenes than acting and being a radio personality. That's why when people use the sentence, well, kayfabe is dead, it's really not because it's a different thing. Yes, we all know Tony Stark and Robert Downey Jr. are two different fucking things. Robert Downey Jr. is a real person, a real human being, and Tony Stark is the character he plays in the series of films. That's why Robert doesn't act like... Well, that's probably a bad example. He's probably acting like Tony Stark all the time outside of, outside of the movies, but you get what I'm trying to say. Robert is Robert when he leaves the set. He's not Tony Stark. So people see that, and they go, well, it's the same thing for wrestling, right? Seth Rollins is not Seth Rollins when he leaves the building. He's Kobe Lopez when he leaves the building. So people nowadays try to separate the two. But it's always been a more successful formula in wrestling. Always has been. Will never change. When people stay as close to the gimmick as they possibly can in the eyes of the fan. It's easier to believe in the acting 
when you lose sight of the line between the acting and the actor. That's always been the case. Mr. T has been a gimmick for years. But you don't know that because Mr. T has, every time he is seen, he's Mr. T. He's never stopped being Mr. T outside of set. All right, he's got the look. He's got the chains on every time. You've never seen this man slipping ever. And SAG deals with the actor's world, meaning the actors will go on set. That's when they turn it on. And when they come off, they turn it off. And that's just how that goes. A lot of wrestlers, believe it or not, don't turn it off. They're still that person. And I can't, for the life of me, think that SAG would be okay with their performers doing things for real. Again, when people say wrestling is fake, you got to understand how stupid you sound. <laughs> it's 2022. You know wrestling's fake, right? It's 2022, bro. If you don't know how the game is played at this point, just don't involve yourself in the conversation because you sound stupid. Okay? These people really do go through tables. Now, I know that to a degree they're gimmicked and it's a little easier than going through a regular table. I get it. But some of these chairs are real chairs. Some of these tables are real tables. These are real bumps and bruises that you're taking on a daily basis. The point of having a stunt double or a choreographed spot or rigging with wires and acting is so that the actor is never in a position to be fully vulnerable to an injury based on physical stunt. In wrestling, it's the complete opposite. The idea of the wrestling match is to get banged up for real. An actor, for the most part, isn't even allowed to take an actual bump. That's why when these celebrities, like the Stephen Emiles of the world and, and these David Arquettes and stuff, when they get into the ring, they're not allowed really to just fall down and take bumps. Snoop Dogg's not. That's why when Mark, who was it, Mark Cuban took the table bump, I was like, sweet Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like Brad, uh, Braid, uh, Wayne Brady took an RKO. Whenever you see a celebrity get physical, be surprised. Be shocked because it's really frowned upon. You don't want these actors taking hits like this because there's a lot involved with that. But for wrestlers, that's literally your job is to fall down as often as humanly possible. So I don't know if, you know, and God forbid somebody blades or bleeds. I don't know if SAG is going to be happy with that kind of shit. So I don't know how that's going to connect. I mean, that sounds dope in premise because with a union comes a bunch of different, you know, there's a lot of benefits that come with it, especially since to be unionized, you basically essentially have to be an employee. And that's another problem that wrestling has with this independent contractor stuff. Does that mean that if you're signed to his company, you're an employee? Is there benefits to this? I don't know. It starts getting dicey at that point. So if he's got 18 months that he wants to dedicate to just figuring this out, I hope he spends a good amount of time on that part because that's going to be difficult to fucking sell, especially for uh, not just for the wrestlers, but I don't know if SAG is going to want to be a part of all that. I don't know. That's that's going to be difficult. So good luck to Freddie Prinze. If he's looking for a commentator that's really good with selling storylines, I'm your man. Uh, my information will be in the mail. 
Would love an opportunity to tell some of those reality-based storylines you're talking so much about. And, uh, yeah, so uh, we're going to move on to the next topic here. But before we do, quick reminder. Uh, I mentioned it earlier at the beginning of the program in case you missed it. Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash A-J-O-U-M. That is all you need. One-stop shop. For all things Orsini's Uncensored Mind, you can get on there and find all the different platforms in which you can listen to the show. You can also support the show by checking out the merch store. Uh, what is it that we say at the end of the thing? T-shirts, uh, uh, beach towels. <laughs> it's all kinds of stuff uh, for sale, mugs and cups and all kinds of things. Uh, canvas art, uh, obviously shirts and other clothing apparel. You can get leggings. You know, we're selling a whole bunch of shit here. So check all that out. The actual merch store itself is AJOUM.com. But you can also find, again, your one-stop shop, all the different places that you can go, social media, um, uh, platforms that are carrying the show, direct links, all by heading to Linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash A-J-O-U-M. Now, as far as the rest of this show here, these are going to just be quick moments, and I'm going to end with something that uh, I feel very strongly about, and I feel people need to know about. But I've heard, the, I've heard the rumor mill, the Jay Lethal video was not a ruse. It looks like Ric Flair is looking to come back to an in-ring return somewhere at some point, and don't you just know someone's going to book it? Someone's going to let this man inside of a ring, and I'm, you know. Every person on earth is allowed to live their life the way they see fit. You'll never hear me take that away from a person. Everybody here is allowed to live their life the way that they want to, any way that they want to, no questions asked. I'm not going to get involved in any of the dramatics. But Ric Flair is looking to get back into the ring, and i got to tell you, I think this is bad. I think this is bad. I think this is a problem. And I... I, The man was born in 1949. He's 73 years old. And I'm telling you right now. He's planning... And, and this is just speculation. This is my opinion. This is not, I don't know this for sure. But let's be honest. I mean... Is it, is it, is it hard to believe... That this man is basically planning to die in the ring. What on earth is possessing this man at 73? It really it really hurts because it's like you were the greatest to ever do it. Right? People have their opinions about the greats and da 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 and that's fine. I'm never gonna take anybody's opinion away. It's all subjective anyway. But in my opinion, it's very hard for me to hear an argument from anybody, that Ric Flair is not one of the greatest professional wrestlers to have ever lived. Ever. And it's sad because when you see one of your favorite wrestlers ever, ever of all time, and you see them in a position where the career is over, and they just don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They have no other interests. They have no other plans. This is all they know. And all they want to do. And I'm not singling Ric Flair out. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of people who this is all they know and all they want to do. And they don't have plans to do anything else. And it just it hurts because 
this is going to be who's get, I saw the video with Jay Lethal. And I'll give Jay Lethal all the credit in the world because he he trained with Rick. He did. But let's be real. That, that wasn't a real situation. He was that was the most careful I've ever seen a wrestler be with another wrestler in my entire life. And Rick, I don't know if Rick Flair is going to get in the ring with someone the caliber of a Jay Lethal. AEW is not going to book this. WWE is not going to book this. It's going to be a lower tier kind of company who will be looking for the payday to have a Ric Flair match on their card. And I'm not entirely sure they're going to spend the money to get him a quality opponent that will get him in the ring with someone like a Jay Lethal, maybe even Jay Lethal himself. I don't see people doing that. I think they're going to have Ric Flair come in there and wrestle some Joe Brown from, I don't know, Lansing, Michigan or some shit. Something's going to happen and this dude is going to fucking break. I don't want to see my heroes like this, but what can I say and what can I do? Because it's my heroes that refuse to let it go. They can't walk away. And I'm being very consistent. When Daniel Bryan was talking about coming back, I was against that. I said it, it's on this show, when Kurt Angle was going to get in the ring. I was against that. When Edge was coming back, I was against that. And all those guys were way younger in age than Flair was. But I was making that stance because I figured with the level of injury they occurred that it would be a bad idea to risk it. I'm doing it again here. And this isn't even injury-based. He's had a million of them. This man was in a, a plane crash. What was it? The 70s, he was in a plane crash. And he's going to wrestle a match in 2022. I know people who roll their ankles playing pickup basketball who never picked up a basketball again. This guy's going to take a bump. Who? Who are you getting in the... You have to be especially careful with this. And who's going to... Who's going to be the promoter? Who's going to be the booker that's going to take the rap for being the one who ended Ric Flair's career officially? Maybe even his life. Who's going to be the one to take that risk? NWA had a chance at booking him. He was advertised for a show, and then the plane ride from hell shit happened, and they wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. But now they're going to put him in a match. Are they, that was the rumor mill before. Are they going to put Ric Flair in the ring with the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion? And then the, the I would not put it past the NWA to not only book that match, but to, but, but to put the belt on him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past him. Nick Aldis, Trevor Murdoch, or Trevor, whatever he's using now. It's all the same. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I can see them doing it. And I, this has got me so nervous. Oh, I'm sorry. The current NWA champion is fucking Matt Cardona. And I'm sorry. I. I don't need Matt Cardona and Ric Flair in the ring. I'm sorry. But we're, we're more than likely going to see him in the ring with somebody. So, I wish him the best of luck. 
I do, because he seems dead set on doing this shit. But it is what it is. So it, it I don't I'm confused as to why this is even a thing, why it would happen. But we're moving on here. And uh we're moving on to uh IWE Independent Wrestling here, down in uh Georgia, Atlanta to be specific. Had a little bit of a situation as one of their one of their heel competitors, Joe Black, had a match and stirred up the crowd so goddamn much. That when it was all over, uh, a disgruntled fan not only gave him the bad mouth, but uh, proceeded to hit him with the Zenadine headbutt. Classic, classic soccer maneuver. And hit this man with a headbutt. It was a fan who headbutted a professional wrestler. Leaned over the railing, by the way. There are railings at IWE. He leaned over the railing, gave him a headbutt. The wrestler came back at him, threw a few shots. There they're going fisticuffs. They're going toe-to-toe. Here comes the uh, referees and security, which I thought was fantastic. I'm glad they had security. I don't know how many wrestling shows I've been to. No fucking security. None. Uh, including some of the places that I've been to, which I'm telling you now, it's a bad idea to jump that rail when I'm with the Blood Brothers. I'll tell you that. That'd be a big fucking mistake. But... uh. Wrestler comes uh, over to the side of the ring to leave the ring. He wasn't even going to the railing. The the uh, fan leans over the rail. He's giving him the bad mouth. He gets his attention. Wrestler comes over to go face-to-face, and he catches the big old headbutt. Uh, just really quickly, because look, here's the article here. Chaos breaks out. This fan, by the way, there's a lot of talk about this being a plant, because this fan was not your usual loud mouth little guy. This dude is jacked. Jack to the goddamn gills. This is a big guy. So I, I you can tell this guy has uh, some anger issues. It's always the angry people who throw a headbutt, right? It's no human being with a brain in their head decides to use their skull as a weapon to start the fight. You know, it's always the people with the anger issues who aren't thinking clearly, and they just here. Let me see if I can. <laughs> Let's mute that for a second. Boom! Headbutt. There it is. And it looked to us another part why I think people were wondering if it was going to be a if it was if they were wondering if it was a plant because the wrestler who came back at him looked like he was throwing work punches. He's like sledging him or whatever. And I don't know. I don't know. There, there's I don't know. It's fair to have some questions. The headbutt. Didn't really, I mean, they connected pretty good. It looked like it connected pretty good, a forehead to forehead there. But uh, look at the wrestler in the ring is pulling Joe back, and this fan is just talking wild shit. This guy's, I take it back, not jacked. He's got a belly on him, but his arms look pretty big. He's a big fucking boy. And then here comes the wrestler after being held. He comes back around, and and now he's, he's, um, there's people coming out of the locker room now. Big guy's shirt is all ripped up. That's hilarious. He is talking wild shit, too. He's mad as fuck, bro. Hold on. Let me see if I can catch what he said there. Hold on. Uh, Throw his ass out. Throw his ass out. Hold on. Oh. Throw his ass out. He said that motherfucker put his hands on me. When? When the fuck did that happen? Because the... 
The video starts with the wrestler leaving the ring. Get him out. He's in fucked up today. He, the wrestler was leaving the ring. He was in the ring. And then he came out to the side. And he was talking shit. Boom. And then he came in with a, oh, there it was. Wait a minute. Oh, I see it now. He did. He did touch him first. Oh, uh, okay. So real quick, I'm, this, I'm watching this clip on Twitter. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Cassidy Haynes of Bodyslam.net. That's the Twitter handle. He's got a video of it here. At Casshole, C-A-S-S-H-O-O-O, three O's, L-E, Casshole. Says another angle of the fan incident with Joe Black tonight. And the video, if you go zero, 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 right? If you go straight zeros and you hit play at like, right, I'm going to pause it. Boom, right here at the two-second mark. You don't see the fan's body, but you do see the wrestler. He swats at something. I don't know if it's his hand or what he swatted. Boom, and then he caught a crazy headbutt. That fan wasn't with it today. Here we go. I want to play it one more time. Gets a swat, and then he gets up and says, nah. Not today. And yeah, he hits him with the fucking headbutt. Even still, you know what I'm saying? Like, okay, yeah. So the guy put it, the guy hits your hand first. Okay. A fucking headbutt, bro. Seriously, we're back to that. I, I'm going back to that. What's with the headbutt? Putting yourself in immediate danger. I don't understand it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But it is what it is. So, oh, Joe Black. Getting that heat, brother. Getting that he is, and the fan said it. He put his hands on me, which you know what he did. He did, and I tell people all the time. That's why you need to be careful with the heat that you get. You know, if he would have, if I'm not putting this on the wrestler, neither one. I'm just saying neither one should have really put their hands on the other. Is what I'm trying to say. As a heel, and I've been a heel in the past. I want them upset. I don't want them swinging at me, which is the point, right? I know back in the day, hey, if they're swinging at you, if they're not swinging at you, you're not getting heat. Bullshit. You can get heat when I get swung on. You can get someone to hate you with your words. I've done it. There's a million people that have done it in the history of the business. Uh, that's probably something Joe has done in the past where he's, you know, swiped a hand or whatever. He felt comfortable doing it, which means he's done it before. But uh, he did it to the wrong Billy Joe Bob here because uh, – you know, Ethan over here is not having it. He, uh, and he said it too. This motherfucker put his hands on me. In the eyes of the law, he's going to win that case because Joe did put his hands on him first. It was the wrestler who touched first. So we will see. We will see how that works out. Just want to talk about that for a second because I'm looking. I was, this was, I literally looking at this as I was coming onto the air. I just threw it on the list to see if I could take a look at it. Apparently, this dated. This is dated for yesterday, Saturday evening. So it must have happened in one of the shows last night. So we'll keep an eye on that, see where that goes, because I'm actually curious to see how that's going to play out. Because normally when a wrestler gets jumped, um, it's usually the fan who just goes nuts or loses their shit or whatever, and they just hop a rail or something. This was a situation where the wrestler struck first. So we'll see. I'm... Very curious, because this, this could set a precedent for something else. My goodness. All right, we're on to the next thing here. I got a long list. 
shit that was bothering me this week. I'm not going to touch. You know, I have it on here, but you know what? I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait till it comes out because it's not confirmed yet. But Tessa Blanchard and WoW are having a situation, and it's not good. And I'm going to wait because I want to see how it comes out. I want to see where this goes. Uh, Here we go. Wrestling contracts. Let's talk about it for a second. This will be our main event section of the evening. And it won't take long because this is an easy one to discuss. And I don't understand why anyone has a problem understanding this. But we're going to get through this together, guys. We're going to do this, okay? This is going to be real quick. But it's important, and I want to leave you guys with this. This is a positive thing, okay? Positive. Wrestling contracts aren't forever. How about that? All right, we're done. We'll see you next week now. It's a, wrestling contracts aren't forever. If you get signed by a company to be a wrestler on TV, that job is not forever. That job is not forever. It isn't. People, pe- people of all kinds, they get mad when they hear that a wrestler was released or fired or let go. But, but, but why? They, they're so talented. Yes, they are talented. But they're not needed. So the conversation I'm bringing up, I'm bringing it up because Chris Statlander, who has really elevated herself in the AEW women's division, she was a less, she was a late sign on it and has climbed up the ranks here. But she was recently at a what was this? She was speaking on the KNS WrestleFest virtual signing. I guess it was an autograph signing type deal they were doing. They were they were streaming or whatever. And Chris Dantlander talked about recent, uh, you know, not releases, but the string of non-renewals, we'll say. So Stu Grayson of the Dark Order recently said his goodbyes. His contract was up. They didn't resign. Marco Stunt uh, was not resigned, And Joey Janela, obviously, uh, of recent news, was not signed back to AEW. And uh, here are Chris Dantlander's thoughts on the situation. She she was asked about the recent non-resignings. And she said, my thoughts on the situation, which is the AEW's contracts not being renewed, is that, you know, life happens. Sometimes that's just the way wrestling is. Nobody's guaranteed a job forever in wrestling or in any position. Really, it sucks. But you have to learn not to dwell on situations that you don't have control over and you just make the most of what you can do and keep moving forward. There is a disconnect i think between fan and wrestler when it comes to the word contract i think that's the word that confuses people when they hear the word contract contract is not employment contract is agreement there's a difference the two people are putting the paper a contract a binding letter that will state with the two entities are agreeing to work with each other for a certain amount of time. An exchange of services, so to speak. Those don't last forever. Neither should they. And not everybody gets to have one. So when you do get one, you have to get one under the understanding that you may not get another one after. And to be honest, nowadays, to be real, you may not even finish the contract you signed. Because companies find a way out of those contracts all the time as well. So 
really quickly, when The Undertaker hit 10 years of destruction, that was a big deal. And I think he hit it, what was it, 2000? He hit 10 years of destruction. That was a whole thing. 10 years of destruction with The Undertaker. You know why it was a big deal? Because it rarely ever happened. People didn't stay in companies for that long. They just didn't. They didn't stay in companies that long. 10 years, forget it. Now everybody in the WWE, I think, has been there for over a decade. It's just become the norm to have people on your payroll for so long. And again, an entire generation has grown up with that being a fact. So now, with with no WCW, with no ECW, with no... And I know TNA and, and, and Ring of Honor have been around for a while, but to be honest with you, those weren't seen as very viable transitions for former WWE superstars. Some did it, and they did it okay. But it wasn't like back in the day when you had a territorial system, when when all of the companies were of equal standing, and you could make the same, if not more, money going to a different place. For a long time, if you were a WWE superstar, you were at the place where you were going to make the most money. Every place after that was just an afterthought. It wasn't. It's not the same. So... There were there's not a lot of transitioning. Even now, with AEW there, yes, they can pay you a good amount of money, but they can't pay everybody. Impact's not gonna pay you a lot of money. Ring of Honor is gone now. I know Tony has it, but it's it's gone. It's not the same. Right? So there are no other options. So people work like hell to be on that roster for as long as they can. Because there really is nowhere else to go to make that kind of money. You can go to other places to perform and creatively do some things, but as far as the money goes, you're going to be you're going to be making less money. That's just how it goes. So the disconnect I think with people when they say, "Well, like for instance, a lot of aid, a lot of first year contracts for AEW have come to expiration and they haven't been resigned," and people will say, "Well, where is the loyalty? These were the first guys you signed. Why? Okay, but that's the point." We, we, I'm not AEW, but I'm speaking, you know, in terms of business here. AEW gave them a a contact that guaranteed them at least three years throughout the life of the contract. They fulfilled that. They agree, They lived up to their agreement. They're not entitled, obligated, or in any way responsible for what happens after these individuals reach the term end of their contracts. That's not wrestling. That's contracts. That's every contract. That's everybody, everywhere, who's ever existed on Earth, who's ever signed a contract. Once the contract is up, that's it. It's up. There's no, there's nothing left to do. They can resign if they feel on both sides, mind you. A company can opt to resign, and you would have to agree to resigning as well so far as the end goal is beneficial for both parties. If it isn't, then what the fuck? Now, the only reason... Tony doesn't release people from their contracts in the first place is because he refuses to be Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, if you cough in his general direction, he may fucking release you. Tony doesn't want to be that guy. Because trust me, I'm pretty sure somewhere in those contracts, during those time periods, he would have loved to have gotten out of some of those. He signed a lot of guys that first year based on their reputation and the backings i guess the recommendations of those that were closest to him at the time after a year or two of being around these talents and seeing their progression and seeing what they bring to the table i'm pretty sure tony would have loved to have gotten rid of some of them earlier and saved himself the headache and the money but he didn't want to be vince mcmahon so he just he signed a contract with you he decided i'm going to be a man about this i'm going to be a true 
good standing businessman, and I'm going to live out the term of that contract. But once it's over, it's over. Once Marco Stunt swallowed a dildo, he was done with Marco Stunt. But he still paid this man to the end of the contract. I don't think Tony should be getting hate for this. I think he should be fucking commended and applauded. Because there's a few times where there's a few people that should have been fucking let go long before he actually let them go. As a matter of fact, there's people on the roster now that he probably still should let go, but he's not. Because he's going to wait to the end of the contract. You think, that's the thing, where's the loyalty? Where's the loyalty? You think after he signs... CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole re-signs some of the EVPs to some of the contracts that they've gotten. Sting's on this roster. A lot of veterans are on this roster. They've got MJF's contract coming up. Darby Allen is a star they have to protect. Jungle Boy. and you got all these talents that are on the roster. Christian Cage is here. And you think they're going to spend some more money on Marco Stunt. And that's no disrespect to Marco Stunt. I don't know the guy. All I know is he's not on their level and it's understandable. If I was signed to a contract in AEW that first year, and it's been three years almost, and I just saw the names that I just mentioned to you come in the door, my first reaction is I'm pretty much gone, I guess. Why pay me? You got all these other guys. There isn't a bowl of unlimited money that Tony can just reach his hand into and just give people. It's not about loyalty. He showed loyalty when he fulfilled his end of the contract. That's what you're not seeing. No one's entitled to a job forever. The fact that they were on the contract for as long as they were is the loyalty part. Tony has shown his loyalty time and time again. And I get the sense he's going to continue to show that loyalty throughout. Because... Come hell or high water, whatever he's promised people, they've gotten. Creative control. You want it? You got it. You come into my office, you tell me what you want to do, I'll put a little spin on it so it fits to what I need to do, and you're great. You're golden. They had Brian Danielson come in, one of, if not the top stars on planet Earth, come into his company and turn heel. Based on Brian's own decision-making, we're going to turn heel, which is a retarded, a ridiculous fucking thing to do. But he did it, and it worked. Brian was smart. It worked. And he was a badass heel for about two or three months, and then he just became another tag team guy. Because Tony doesn't know how to say no. Regal came in. That's another one. Regal's in there now. Jesus, you want them to pay for Stu Grayson and Merkel Stunt. Really, Regal's in the fucking roster. Okay. There's a lot of money to be made on the top level of wrestling, but not underneath it. And not everyone gets a locked spot. And to be honest with you, you shouldn't. I don't want to see the same fucking people on TV every fucking year. If I was given a six-month contract for AEW, just six months, just come in here, talk a little shit, and leave, I'd be grateful for it. I'd be thankful for it. I wouldn't be sitting here pining and screaming on the internet, well, you hired me once, you obviously think I'm great, I should be here for the next 60 years, right? No. Not how that works. Be grateful for the time that you have. And if you have a long time, really be thankful. That's why Brian Danielson to this day will always be my favorite wrestler probably of all time 
because of his backstage attitude. He understands. As great as he is, he still gets it. That all of this can leave in an instant. None of this is guaranteed. Ever. You can lose everything you love tomorrow. Appreciate it. Well, these people have to live. These people have to eat. Yes, they do. So go find a fucking job that will pay you so that you can live and eat. No one's obligated to give you fucking anything. You got to move on to the next fucking thing. That's it. If it's outside of wrestling, that's what it is. Happens to everybody. Shane Douglas used to work for fucking Walmart. This was after ECW when he was the ECW champion. Or Target, or I forget which fucking store. And then he eventually came back in the wrestling and did some stuff. It happens. There's lulls, it's ups and it's downs. If these people are talented as fuck, they'll find somewhere else to go. Just like when they released all those NXT people. Well, if the WWE is going to have a high-profit year, what's the point of relieving talent? So they can have a high-profit year. That's the fucking point. Duh. How do you think they hit a profit margin like that? By not paying other people needlessly. These people didn't do anything. Yes, Dakota Kai did some things. Where was that going? Nowhere that they wanted it to go. So it's gone. Dexter Loomis. Well, he's super talented. He's one of the top NXT guys. Right. But they didn't felt like they didn't feel like they needed him. So what's the point? That's all the different ways that you can figure things out. No one's obligated to do anything. They don't have to pay them. They don't have to give them contracts that they don't fucking want or need. It's unnecessary. Stop questioning this man's loyalty when that's all he's done is give it to them. He hired a bunch of people off the street from indie wrestling to come in here and be on TV. No developmental system, no orientation period, no we'll work him out and see how it works. Right to fucking television. And I know it was right to fucking television because a few of those individuals that they signed worked with me over the years, and I know for a fact that they went from the indie company we worked for straight on to fucking television. So I know there was no grace period. I know that it didn't work that way. So don't fucking come back at me and tell me that there's, well, there's no loyalty shown. They were, they were given an opportunity of a fucking lifetime, and they were given the security of knowing that they were going to be with this company for the next two or three years. If you didn't plan for life after two or three years, that's on you. Unless you were lied to and told that you were going to be here longer than they actually planned on it, and they fed you bullshit and tricked you, essentially, into committing to something that they were never going to... Then that's different. You got fucked around, that's different. But you signed a two, maybe three-year deal. That's your deal. That's it. People usually, business people don't let contracts expire. It doesn't happen that way. They will, if they want you to stay, they offer you that position before your expiration. So either some of these individuals chose not to resign or they weren't offered contracts. Either way, fine. Nothing wrong with it. We got to move on now. So for fans to be out here complaining and screaming, well, why would they let these guys go? Because they felt like it, and that's it. They don't need a reason. 
Malcolm Bivens recently released from NXT, all these different talents, they're not taking it that hard. Why are you? Stop stressing. You're all right. Everyone went on social media. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for the time. Thanks for teaching me the things that you taught me. Thanks for taking me under the learning tree. I look at this. I, I, it, the way that I look at this is it sucks these people are, are losing their income because the income to me is the biggest because that's the most money they're going to make. Wherever they go next, it's not going to be that kind of money. So I feel bad on that end. But I also feel positive that so many people that were in the WWE system are now coming back to the indies with that knowledge. Because you can spread that knowledge out and help out that next generation get to the top. But who knows? We'll see what happens. All, right? all I'm saying is that don't stress yourself out, guys. Come on. Let's be let's let's get it together. Less stress, okay? Let's not worry about stuff like that. Come on, let's be positive. Positive thinking. Uh, speaking of which, before I let you go, this weekend coming up, uh, Saturday, I believe. Let me see, the 21st, right? Let me double check now before I get out of here. Yes, the 21st, Saturday. <laughs> I'm going to be in Clifton, New Jersey, baby. Uh, managing the Blood Brothers yet again, but at the same time, not really. Uh, the Blood Brothers and myself used to be part of a faction called The Goat, greatest of all time. And we not broke up. I wouldn't say broke up, but uh, all kind of went our different ways to do our own different things. Uh, but there's going to be a small one-night-only reunion this Saturday, uh, 282 Parker Ave in Clifton, New Jersey. Uh, small little reunion, six, not six, what is it? We're, I think we're actually in a handicap match. We'll figure all that out. But uh, Whiplash will be joining us. Uh, as the Blood Brothers uh, uh, are going to be getting together again this Saturday on the 21st, Clifton, New Jersey. I'm going to be in the house. So come by, say what's up, buy some merch. It'll be dope. Um, I'm not sure where we are on the cards. We'll get there early. I, I doubt we'll be first, but then again, we have a pattern of being super early on the card because why not? Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. I don't want to be around for that long any goddamn way. You feel me? I got places to be. But uh, the GOAT reuniting one night only uh, on Saturday. Also, I will be a guest if you're, if you're not, uh, if you catch this in time. But tomorrow, the 16th, Monday, uh, I'm going to be a guest on a podcast, Respect the Craft, hosted by Raymond Sanchez. Me and the Blood Brothers are going to be on there. We're going to be on there promoting some of our upcoming dates. Also talking about a little situation going on with two members of the greatest of all time, our group, our brothers. Um, they're kind of having a little bit of a tiff, a little bit of an issue. They're going to be having a one-on-one -on -one match June 11th for Project, with Project Codename Wrestling. Uh, first time ever, Zoltan will be fighting each other, Whiplash versus Chris Cage. So we're going to also kind of put our thoughts into what's going on with that situation. That happens tomorrow. Where can you catch it? A lot of different places, to be honest with you. But check out Respect the Craft. It's on social media. Check out Raymond Sanchez's Facebook page directly, and he will have all the links and everything available for you. And uh, that should be good. So thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for sharing. And, of course, if at all possible, thank you for enjoying. And next week, this fucker gets here. We're going to have a video game episode that will blow your fucking mind. This is going to be a hotly debated fucking episode i can't fucking wait to do this i'm excited we're gonna have some fucking issues but it'll be video game mania 
next week. All right, guys? So check it out. This is episode 231, 232 next week. We got the momentum going, baby. See ya. This is my daddy's 200 episode. If you look to soul, boys, mints, t-shirts, mugs, tank tops, beats to house, phone cases, go to h-a-o-u-n.com. This is my daddy's 200th episode. The soul keeps him busy, and he's not playing with me, so stop listening. But, but he's actually wearing me, so I won't fight.